Welcome to You Dive Deep, where we dive into a single question each week and navigate through this tough thing we call life. Come on, let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of You Dive Deep. Once again, I wanted to do that pitch early on the episode and just let all of you know, if you have any topics or questions you want to hear us discuss in future episodes, or if you yourself want to be a guest, all you have to do is just email me at youdivedeep at gmail.com. Now, with all that garbage out of the way, I am going to be able to introduce my phenomenal guest for this episode. And I feel like this is almost like the first quote unquote expert that I get to have. But hey, Alex, welcome to the podcast, man. Hey, Tommy. Thanks for having me on today. Absolutely. Absolutely. And before we really get to dive in on that first or not first, the only real question that we have for this episode, uh, I kind of wanted our listeners to get to know you a little bit more. So I wanted to ask you the question of who are you? Well, Tommy, that's a really uh, deep question. Um, I would say, and I'm just a small town boy living in a lonely world, but uh, <laughs> that's just too simple. So we'll go with, uh, <clears throat> I'm a, currently I'm studying at school, actually, I am a doctoral student studying prevention science through Wilmington online. So that's been a lot of my life for the last 20 something weeks or so. But also, you know that I'm also doing a lot of uh, podcasting. And that's been my kind of saving grace hobby on the side, kind of taking my time. Uh, <laughs> Keeping you me- sane. Oh, definitely. Especially, I mean, I started it in September when I was past the point of quarantine where I had no idea what else to do. So this was kind of like, okay, got to start a new hobby, got to start something that I can do while at home without going anywhere else. I don't really need any other resources or anything like that. So it was kind of a good fit. And it combined a lot of my interests too, which I have interest in criminal justice, psychology, uh, mental health, and puns. So the name of my podcast is Neurological, which it's neurological, but it has the law in it. Um, So it's not just neurological. And I try to make some of the episodes with a little bit of puns in them. I also recognize that the topics are pretty heavy sometimes, so I don't always use that because it's not appropriate. But I'm also... Probably, you know this because we've had these conversations before, but an active, not active person. So Mm -hmm. I like to run, but I also like to chill out on the couch and read a book and kind of just relax. So one day I might be running a 5K and the next day I'm running a 5K on the couch. So it's, 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 I was just going to say, at least you have two sides to you. I'm a very one dimensional person. I'm a very, uh, like all I'm going to say is if I had a pedometer, remember when Fitbits were really big and everyone was like, oh, yo, let's be Fitbit friends. Let's see how many, you know, set contests on how many steps I would always be so embarrassed because I'll be the first to admit, I don't lie about it. If I had like a pedometer or Fitbit on me right now, even if it wasn't in like a remote setting, I would be very surprised if I break a thousand steps. And I know that's shocking. You're like, dude, I I get a thousand steps just doing my morning routine, getting out of bed and getting, you know, my coffee, brushing my teeth. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm dead serious. That's how inactive I am. But that's why I always admired you. But continue. Yes, I do know that you try to get me into running. And don't worry, that that's a valiant task that a lot of my friends have tried to do for me. And I'm like, dude, you could, you could try your best and I will applaud you if you succeed. But I could almost promise you it won't. But I, I could try. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like instead of making a New Year's resolution for myself, it's I'm making a new resolution for you. 
It's get Tommy Yu to run. <laughs> and then soon you're going to find, okay, now I understand why everyone gives up on their New Year's resolution so quickly. But once again, that's a very <laughs> valiant thing that you'd be trying to do again. But yeah, I think I think that's pretty much how I identify myself. I am not one to really, I, I kind of purposely left out my employment because I think I really don't want to use that as a way to describe who I am because that changes over time. I know being a student changes over time, but I think in the sense that I have not always been enrolled in school necessarily, I'm always wanting to learn. So I still would consider myself a lifelong student, even if I'm not actually in a school. For work, I don't really use that as a definition for myself, I think, for this question. And I'm actually really glad that you were able to kind of give us a little bit of context on that, because I'm sure some people had like kind of had that question in the back of their mind. But it's also a phenomenal segue. Once again, Alex has a lot of talents. There's a lot of things I look up to him for, but he just has like a really great outgoing personality, great conversation. But once again, he left this amazing segue that I'm about to take like a little baton in a race. But so how do I actually know Alex? Because I always like to kind of give our listeners a little bit of context in our relationship. And I know you're a huge advocate of education, school, like you just said, you're a lifelong student, you're always seeking to, you know, learn something every day. And I think that's a quality I definitely look up to. But we met through school, surprisingly. I know we were both RAs at one point. Um, RAs, for those of you who don't know, is resident assistant. Those are the kind of, yep. um, you know, in colleges, universities, when people are living in dorms. Yes, before the pandemic, uh, we actually lived in the school. It's, it's kind of crazy. It was back in the day. But when we <laughs> did do that, um, it, who knows what the model is, but just imagine what, like 20 plus college age students and then giving one college age student kind of in charge of that floor. That's what Alex and I were doing. And then eventually I actually became a GA graduate assistant. All that really means is I was in charge of RAs of my building. I, I'm sure I butchered that, but I know Alex is more eloquently able to speak <laughs> to it. But all I want to say is I know that's kind of how we met, but our friendship is really unique because I always knew of Alex and it's not like we didn't like each other or anything like that. We were just in two separate buildings and for people in res life, life will understand that typically when you're an RA, you know, all the other RAs, we're all friends because we're all doing the same job, trying to do the same thing, make sure, you know, our building doesn't burn down and things like that. But uh, I was really close with my group, all RAs, depending on what building you are, you're close with that group. Um, and, you know, sometimes there are big activities on campus where they kind of force everyone to, you know, during training, okay, everyone be friends. And we're like, okay, this is kind of weird. I guess we'll interact with the RAs in the other buildings. But anytime I had that opportunity, I'm like, oh, sweet, I get to see Alex. I mean, he's awesome. And that's kind of the basis of our friendship. Like I said, it's not like we'd be calling each other up to, uh, you know, hit up the upper deck, which is, you know, where you would eat at our college. Now I'm kind of thinking about it. that's not the most, you know, attractive name for a place to eat. You'll meet you at the upper deck. But yeah, so that was kind of the crux of our friendship. It wasn't really until after college, until after I didn't have the opportunity to really see Alex on a day-to-day -day basis where we connected. All I'm going to say is Alex is, to me, it's really hard to describe Alex because he's insanely funny. Uh, really, he, he just has this presence where he's easy to talk to and things like that. Uh, and he's really open. And, you know, you could be in a room that's, you know, kind of awkward. Almost think of it like a middle school dance vibe kind of thing. Everything's kind of awkward. You're kind of talking to different people. But when Alex enters the room, he's like a social lubricant. It's so weird. Like everyone's a lot more loosened up. It's a lot more fun to talk. And that's a talent he definitely has. But it's just he's also very responsible. Like I feel bad because I do a terrible 
job, like staying in contact with my friends, texting and things. Uh, it's always Alex initiating that first contact with me. And then I, I always love him. I'm like, oh, sweet. It's Alex. And then in the back of my head, I'm like, why didn't I text him first? Like it's it's been like a month since I've reached out to him, but he did to me. So this is just a really long drawn out way of saying uh, just, you know, one day Alex uh, just reached out to me. I kind of forget. I don't know if it was text or I don't know how that kind of worked out. Um, Alex, I'm going to give you a chance. I always like to ask if you first remember how this happened. But yeah, he reached out to me and then, you know, we just started chit chatting, things like that. And, you know, it kind of blossomed into a very real friendship. We went out to, I think, like a brewery kind of thing where we kind of drank and, and talked. We both have a mutual hobby of cigars and things like that. Oh, you know, manly man stuff. But, yes. <laughs> but with that being said, it, it's been a phenomenal uh, adventure so far. I'm really excited to see, you know, where the rest goes. But Alex, I kind of want to turn that question around you. Um, you know, did I do a fair job assessing our friendship? Do you have a different story? Did I get something wrong or maybe fill in some of the, uh, you know, questions that I wasn't able to answer? Well, Tommy, I want to say the first thing is that I've never been called a social lubricant before, but that is a <laughs> new title that will certainly go on my resume somewhere. And I'll get you a name tag. I, Hello, I'm social lubricant, Alex. Oh, boy. So I think you did a good job. I, I really think that our friendship didn't start like you, there wasn't a moment where you were just like, oh, yeah, we're friends. Like, that's just how it started. It's more it kind of was, you know, we saw each other, we worked together and we didn't really say, OK, today we're friends to, you know, yesterday we weren't friends. It was more so just we kind of were conversing every day and, and the friendship was there. But then, like you said, after school, I think that's really where we started to say, okay, we're not just coworkers on the same campus that really like each other as friends. It's more like, okay, let's do some stuff outside of school. And I, I think it's funny that you pointed out that we waited until we couldn't see each other every day to be good friends because it actually became a lot more difficult <laughs> to see each other. Uh, I, I really missed that part of college because it was so awesome to be able to say, I'll meet you in three minutes. And it was a walk versus, mm. you know, now it's a 40 minute drive or something that you want to to meet up with somebody. What I'm telling myself is my heart truly didn't know what it had until it lost you. I was like, oh, man, I do need Alex in my life. He was more than just some fun coworker I saw. <laughs> That's beautiful. So I think, too, when you were talking about our hobbies after college, I don't even remember if it was right after Millersville necessarily. I think it was more so kind of a little bit even later than that because for, for a little while I lived in New Jersey so it was even further away and then you lived in Kansas so it was even <laughs> you know not even in the same time zone anymore so I think when you moved back to Pennsylvania and I moved back to Pennsylvania that's when we started to kind of do mutual things like go to the beer fest which was a lot of fun and I'm really sad that we only got to do one time before they unfortunately had to cancel it the next time for COVID and everything but I'm hopeful that, you know, next year they'll have one again. And then you mentioned the cigar hey, hobby. And like I, what you mentioned before, we could always just do like a, a virtual one, you know, just call each other on Zoom and just light up a cigar and have a beer in hand. Be like, hey, it's not a fest, but hey, let's just chit chat for like the next two hours. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it it has the same effect in my mind, as long as you're kind of socializing and, you know, we sat that one day smoking cigars in the cigar lounge for it was probably four hours, probably the longest that they've ever had someone in there. And the guy was impressed with 
He's like, you guys are oh, still yeah, here? Yeah, the guy came up and he was like, I need to take a picture of you guys because I've never seen anyone smoke a cigar for as long as you have. <laughs> right. I think the only thing that lasted longer than our conversation was the cigar. And it was amazing. Like just the amount of, I guess it kind of shows our friendship is a slow burning friendship too. And I'm actually really glad you brought that up once again. Look, look at Alex being able to tie all this kind of stuff in. But that's actually essentially the vibe and the whole premise of this type of podcast. It should just be like friends smoking a cigar in a lounge. And we're just talking about life because, you know, I, you know, when I was little and I'm sure you could relate too. when I saw adults, my parents, whatever, I'm like, oh, man, they got it all figured out. Like, oh, I, I'm not going to be an adult because I'm just a child. And now I'm almost 30 and I'm thinking, okay, I'm still not child. When is this instruction manual coming? And then reality hits you in the face saying, oh, no, the instruction manual is all the mistakes you make along the way and trying to figure it out. And all of us are in different phases in our life. So why not try to give each other, you know, like life advice along the way? And I feel like those are the type of conversations we really have. It's so funny because, like I said, we've known of each other for a while. But our friendship didn't really truly blossom until, you know, I would still say recently. And it's still, like you said, that slow, beautiful burn of a cigar. But immediately, <laughs> you know, we put ourselves in a situation. You're like, you know what? Let's just talk about life. And I'm going to be honest. I don't even know if I do that with some of my friends I knew for, you know, like 15 years, let alone, you know, uh -oh, how long we've known each other, which is awesome. But it, it, it's always just such a pleasure to be able to like speak to you about many different topics and things like that because not only are you knowledgeable but like i said you're pretty funny so it's it's always a joy it's never like oh, okay he's gonna go on this long tangent well i i'm an expert at that i go on a bunch of tangents i mean i just cut you off when i'm talking for about 10 minutes now but no uh, that's why i'm always so appreciative of our friendship because like i said i think there's no better way to kind of label it than unique yes definitely i would i know that you gave you did a lot of complimenting of me in that uh, little tangent you just went on there. But I want to give you a compliment, too, is that you do great just social outreach in general. I know you said that I do some of the initiation for our friendship, but I've seen you in terms of like widespread social outreach with, you know, you did the, the open mic thing last month or, or two months ago. And... That was just amazing. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And I know that you kept saying over and over again, like, you know, I know it's not that many, you know, there's not that many people here. There's not that many performers. But at the same time, what it was is a time for everybody to come together, enjoy some good music, some good poetry, some good stories, some good uh, ukulele playing by yours, uh, by you. And that was just, you know, Tiana and I sat here and we listened to it and it was just amazing. And I really admire that aspect of you to give back to other people in a way that it gives them the spotlight. And I just remember, like, I didn't really know the professor that you had on, but hearing how you talked about him, I felt like I did know him. And it was just amazing. Yeah. And once again, it's, it's so weird. We live in a society where giving compliments to people is so much fun and genuine. But when you receive it, it's like, you just feel so awkward and, and it, it, sh it really shouldn't be that way. And I feel like that's another podcast episode within itself. It's, it's almost like a society where you shouldn't be so feeling uncomfortable receiving comp those. It's so kind. And I feel like, uh, I think he's smearing it a little bit, making me sound a little too good, but you know, keep going. Let, let the listeners know how great I am because obviously we're not going to say that about ourselves, but you know, like I said, I, I'm still really, really excited with, 
our friendship is still so young and new and things like that. And it's also a big plus that you're actually one of my friends that live closest to me, which is weird. You live in Lancaster. I live in Mechanicsburg. I think that's, I mean, that's not that long of a drive at all, but I mean, it's still a bits away, but it's funny because I live in, you know, Oh, you, you obviously know too. You live in uh, right. Lancaster. Like I said, that's Farmville everywhere. I know you're closer to the city and stuff, but it's funny because for me being in central PA, I feel like I'm far from everyone. So when I see someone within about like an hour, I'm like, oh, wait, that's really, really close. Uh, whereas in the past, because I grew up in Philadelphia, I mean, if it was further than like 20 minutes away, I'm like, no, that's that's too far. I'm not going there kind of thing because I grew up having everything closed. I was just going to say, that, hey, that's, you know, we have that in common, too, because I grew up near Philadelphia as well. And for me, that was one of the biggest shocks. Just that bridge away. That was one of the biggest shocks for me was moving out here. You're right. Like if things were more than 20 minutes away, I was like, whoa, that is far. That is a day trip, even though, you know, an hour is really not that far. But when I was growing up, it was 10 minutes to the mall, 10 minutes to this store, 15 minutes to, you know, another mall if I didn't like the other one. So it was really convenient. And the longest commute I think I ever had was going to school on the school bus. So now being out here, you see this lifestyle of a little bit slower. Um, in my area, more so than Mechanicsburg, you see horse and buggies driving on the road and you wonder like for them, a 15 minute ride for us is probably 45 minutes for them. And I could just, that adjustment is just so different for me, but I've really enjoyed the slowdown aspect of being out here. I really like the idea that, you know, when the light turns green, you don't have to go right away you can wait a second or so. You don't have to, you don't have to worry about getting honked at. <laughs> so that, I, I think that commonality of where we grew up to where we moved is interesting. And I know, you know, with your, I won't, uh, with your wife, the way she is or where she grew up, she grew up in a very rural area. So it was kind of like this weird combination between you growing up in a, you know, more suburban urban area and then her growing up in a very rural area. I had the same experience with Tiana is, you know, she came from a very rural area and then I came from a more suburban. So for her, if I said, let's go somewhere and it's 30 minutes away, she would say, wow, that's fast. Like, whoa, I can't wait to go. And then for me, it was like, oh, that's a that's a trip. You know, how much gas are we going to go through on that? <laughs> and I, I know I kind of said I was going to head to the next question, but uh, Alex is forcing me to talk about this topic I really want to talk about. But one last thing I wanted to mention about Alex, and I think something that really kind of uh, why I gravitate towards him is it's weird. And I know I mentioned it to you before. There's a lot of parallels between us in our lives, I feel like. Like you said, even the general makeup of where we grew up, you, uh, you were like a bridge away from Philly because you're in Jersey. I was in Philly. Uh, you know, that city life, the hustle and bustle. And then we find um, right now our significant other. And they lived in a very rural, out of, you know, out of the way takes uh, my wife, Emily. It took her like 30 minutes to get to like the closest gas station. I'm like, yo, that's ridiculous. And it's funny because comparisons don't really stop there i would say you are pretty uh, extroverted of course all of us have a little bit introvert um, there's nothing better than just you know kind of staying home turning off the phone watching a good movie with your you know significant other 
you know, that's a great time. But uh, I would say we love to thrive in conversation, having those things. But then uh, I don't want to speak for Tiana, but I know Emily is much more introverted um, and it kind of balances me out in a way. And not just that, but you could even go in a little bit deeper. They both were like cheerleaders, but not in the cheerleaders in the sense of like yep. go team go on the sidelines, but like competitive cheerleading. So that's a little, you know, that's like a small community within itself. But then we're like, hold on. Well, where where is this kind of stopping? And it's funny because um, I actually knew Tiana much closer than I knew you because Tiana was one of the RAs that were in the building with me. Uh, shout out Gilbert. Right. Hashtag. Well, I don't even know if it's standing there anymore. It was supposed to be the last. Time. I don't know what Millersville is doing. I'm sure you I do still because there. I haven't been back. Oh, it's still awesome. Awesome. All right. Hashtag go Gilbert. Um, but now the um, kind of the script is flipped. Um, not that I don't know Tiana anymore, but uh, I can. Com- communicate really closely with you and things like that. I'm sure Tiana has, you know, gotten tired of the amount of dosage of Tommy she's been getting in her life early on. And she's like, oh, man, that's <laughs> that's a lot to handle, Alex. I'm going to kind of scooch it over to you. But no, sometimes I also feel bad because I'm like, man, I should reach out to Tiana because I feel like, um, well, besides the times where I was being ridiculous and things like that, she was a lot of fun to hang out with and speak to as well. But I kind of wanted to draw that parallel uh, between our lives and things like that and kind of want to get your take on that, because I know this is a conversation we had before. But, you know, um, I, I just think it's pretty neat. Yes, definitely. I, I didn't even think of the that the cheerleading background combination. That was another uh, similarity that we've had together. Um, I do want to point out, though, you said I was a, I'm a bridge away from Philly, but I actually lived in Pennsylvania growing up. I lived in Bucks County. So I did live on the PA side. I didn't live on the New Jersey side. I just want to specify that because there was this big rivalry between, <laughs> you know, oh, the Jersey drivers, that kind of thing. So <laughs> oh, absolutely. They don't know how to drive. Also, they don't pump gas. So I don't right. trust them. You know, just burning all my bridges with, you know, people possibly from Jersey that are listening. But with that being said, I feel like that uh, no better way to change the topic now, but trying to get the question on hand. And before I ask you the question, I just want the listeners to know, typically I do deliberately pick the question specifically for the guests I'm having because I feel like you'd be get uh, we'd be able to get really, really great conversation. And as Alex kind of explained his background on things, I feel like his insight on this question would be great. And so, Alex, the question of the podcast I have to ask you is, what is your definition of evil? So, Tommy, I want to say the first thing is that was a really interesting segue that you just made. We were talking about New Jersey, and then you go to evil. And I don't know if that was another intentional <laughs> i'm trying to inception people here planting that little seed being like hey guys i'm just gonna uh, subliminally kind of send you a mess i'm glad you picked it up this is how perceptive he is but uh i i think that was um maybe intentional or not but so my definition of evil is this idea that it it's the not the the presence of bad but the absence of good so it's not so much that the person is doing something malicious necessarily, which with that you see more kind of like an intentional action. But here, the evil sense would be anytime there's an absence of good, there's nothing that's positive that's going on in that situation. And I think that that's where you really see evil come come about its strongest. Wow, that is such a different way to kind of think about that question and I'm kind of taken back and kind of processing what you said because it's so easy to get, you know, fixated on the more on the 
bad portion, but you're saying, no, it's actually that just the absence of good and the simplicity is beautiful. But one thing I actually wanted to piggyback on that question is I feel like the word evil is has been like romanticized, something that is mythical, like, you know, when people think heroes, they think superheroes and stuff like that. When people think evil, they're like, oh, villain, evil kind of thing. But I feel like it's not necessarily that way. Someone can be evil but not be, you know, of this different status. Like you said, uh, I could be in a situation where I might make a decision that's against my morals, absence of good. So I could be evil in that point of view uh, or in that instance. But uh, what is your take on that? Do you think the word evil is kind of been put into this different category of words? Oh, definitely. I think your parallel with the word or the, the concept of hero or hero heroism is a really good comparison because I think we do the same thing all the time with heroes saying that it has to be this extra extraordinary feat or some special person that does uh, an amazing thing. And I think the same thing with evil, where we think that it has to be this awful, terrible person in general. Like maybe even you look at over the course of their life, they've done bad things or the lack of good things. But at the same time, you're right. Like to me, evil is on a spectrum and you can see it in little places, just like you can see good in little places. And I think that it is a disservice to say that it only exists at the extreme levels. It's just not fair to say. And I think we then go about life saying, okay, evil is over here, but we are over here. And it kind of gives us this protection bubble that we think that we're separate from it, but we're really not. Like we all can engage to some extent in some evil act. And I don't, I don't want to sound depressing or anything like that, but I just think that if we look at it on a spectrum, it also kind of normalizes it in the sense that we can have a conversation about it because I think if it's only this huge atrocity, then no one wants to ever talk about it. It's always, okay, that doesn't happen here or that doesn't happen in my family. That doesn't happen on my street. I mean, we hear it all the time with small town communities. They say that doesn't happen here. And I don't think that's a fair assessment to say that the type of evil you're looking at doesn't happen here. Maybe, but there are little acts of evil that happen. I think that's a really, really great way to kind of summarize it only because, like you said, at, at least for me, and it might be a fallacy for me, but after speaking with you, it's kind of slowly changing my perception. But um, before I picked this question for this podcast, I had to ponder back and think, what do I think is evil? And, you know, my very first thought was, oh, I mean, evil, that's a word reserved for especially bad people. Like you almost have to level up to that phrase. Like only serial killers can be evil. I'm not evil because, you know, of course I made some mistakes. I was greedy. I might not have been the best person, but oh, there's no way I was evil. I didn't do anything bad enough to earn that title. But then as I continue to think about it, I said, no, just because I think I'm a good person now, that doesn't mean kind of like what you mentioned. I didn't do quote unquote, like a, the presence of evil was in me and maybe... I made, you know, a bad decision or something like that. Uh, like you said, it's not something that I feel like you evolve into. It's just little presence and little moments that could kind of take over, which I think is a really nice way. Because like you said, there's a lot of people are like, oh, no, like, I know I'm not evil. Well, obviously, everyone doesn't think that they're evil and things like that. But 
it's not like this romanticized phrase, just like how heroes don't all wear capes and all that kind of stuff. Or um, we almost only reserve it for, you know, people who have these special professions like firefighters, doctors, nurses, especially all our frontline workers. Of course, yes, they're heroes. But in a sense, in a funny way, there are other things like this is a really silly example, but my cat Mango, everyone knows I have a cat named Mango because he's like my soul and joy. Sorry, Emily, if you're hearing this, you already know this about Mango, but he's a hero to me because he just brings me so much joy. I could be having the worst day in the world, but whenever I see my cat or he, you know, just sits on my lap and things, my whole day is changed and he saves me from, you know, that feeling that I had. So in my definition of hero, my cat is a hero. And I'm really glad that the stigma of what is attached to that word is kind of slowly releasing that we could describe other people as heroic because being a hero. And I feel like in that same sense that you made people can be evil, even if their their whole entity isn't evil, if that makes sense. So how would you define yourself? Did you ever have, you don't have to get specific in moments, but you know, I, I view you as a very wholesome, genuine person. So it, 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 it'd be really interesting for me to say, do you feel like you had moments of quote unquote evil or anything like that? So I think that, that's a really good question. I won't, I, I think it would be naive for me to say that I've never had any evil moments in my life. And I think you point out a really good thing that evil is not the entire person. Rather, they are the actions of that person. And if we look at it only as an evil person, a hero, you know, a good person, a bad person, I think, again, that kind of does a disservice to the, the concept because we're all made up of thousands and thousands of decisions every single day. And to some extent, those decisions always impact somebody else, even if we live by ourselves. Because I think through this pandemic has been a perfect example of my actions affect other people. You know, if I choose to leave my house wearing a mask or not, that cho- that affects other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that has nothing to do with my character overall necessarily but it does show in that moment who I am and I think you kind of have to look at it as what is the light shining on in that moment you know is the light shining on the evil acts that you might do because I think depending on who's watching people act differently so around family we might act a little different than our friends you know at work we might act a little bit better than we do around other people And Mm -hmm. I think the, my history in terms of, we'll say acting evilly or acting with evil intent, um, is the idea that I didn't always make the best decisions. And I think that that's really where I would define evil for myself. I don't think I ever intended to hurt people throughout my life, but I think somewhere earlier you had said, you know, when we're younger teenagers or whatever, we don't always make the best decisions. And I think that's just a great way to say that looking back at my teenage years, I wouldn't, at the time, I wouldn't say, oh, you know, I'm acting in an evil way right now. But I think reflecting back, you look at it and you go, okay, was that the best decision? No. Was it full of good? No. So to me, that kind of says, okay, the action might have been evil. But again, the only reason... I think I I even have some hesitation saying that is what you were saying, this whole dramatization of the word evil, where if I say that, if I had those evil actions, that means that now I'm, 
I'm up there with, you know, dictators and the worst people that have done atrocious things. So I think that's the idea of getting away from that is a way to have that conversation more often because we're so open. You know, we talk about good things all the time and it's when we want to bring up our bad actions that we kind of are hesitant. And I think that creates this internal sense of shame where now I don't want to share with you. So I'm going to process it. And that might be more damaging to myself and other people. So I think that conversation needs to be had. I think it's an important one. I think that your podcast could be a way for some people to kind of have some of that out. But I think other people might do it through counseling or therapy, um, you know, with their church, with a, a mental health professional, whatever it may be. But I think, uh, I think I kind of went off on a tangent myself there, <laughs> but I think the idea of my evil past, again, I would look at it as I didn't make the best decisions. I did the wrong thing in that moment, but I don't let that moment define who I am today. Yeah. And I feel like as you're kind of explaining, the reason why I didn't like cut you off or really back in is because I was genuinely listening and it was fascinating to hear uh, kind of the route and the different, you know, ways that you're able to explain it. But for me, um, I feel like the way I would define evil would be, and this is like a very spark noted version is almost like a lack of empathy. Like you do not care of other people's feelings while maybe not doing the best deed. And that's why I could definitely define myself that yeah I definitely did some evil deeds Uh, a lot of it was when I was younger hot tempered you know if I didn't like someone or they did something to me my intent was definitely not good like my intent would be to not harm them physically whether it be socially not bullying them or anything like that of course but you know it's like that act of revenge being like okay I want to do something to get back at them I want to do something blah 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 and I have absolutely no regard of empathy because in my way I'm justifying it saying okay that person might have embarrassed me or you know did x y or z so now my intent is to get even or just do something maliciously to a point where now in the grand scheme of things I'm thinking wait that how is that going to resolve anything maybe it'll make me feel good for a second saying oh now they feel how I felt whenever they might have done something to me but I feel like this is like that funny way of kind of coming back to it is there's absolutely no lack of empathy. I do not care about how this person feels. And uh, in a weird way, I had a struggle of getting that type of empathy. And that's why I feel like I feel myself change a lot. Now, anytime I do something, I always think, oh, wait, how will that make this person feel or X, Y or Z? And I feel like a lot of the times or any kind of, you know, lack of good happens. What is the motivation behind their decision? And a lot of the times when I feel, oh, wow, they had absolutely zero lack of empathy. They don't care how this might impact a bunch of people. And or even if they do understand how it's going to impact them, they just don't care. It's just like they separate themselves so much from whatever is happening. They are so cold to the point saying, yes, um, you know, X, Y, or Z happened. Now, you know, millions of people uh, are hurt or X, Y, or Z. And you're just like, yeah, okay. I know it's happening, but okay. I I don't care. It doesn't impact me. So I'm just going to keep on going. I feel like in my weird definition, that would definitely be an act of evil. And it's almost like I'm trying to strip that word being reserved for super heinous things where you could see it at face value i think it sometimes you could break it down as simply as you so eloquently put it at the beginning of this question of it's just like a lack of good a lack of good intentions and things like that which rings so true to me 
I think you did a, a good job. And I don't know if you did this on purpose or not, but the 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 way that you were just going with that part, I, it really made me think of what is pure evil versus what is just evil. To me, that that pure evil, it comes to that motivation factor. So you were saying like, you know, what is the justification or what is the reason? What is the motivation why this person is acting in an evil way um, or doing that evil action? And I think a lot of the time, even if we don't agree with it, we can say, okay, I can see why they did that. You know, there, there was some benefit to somebody, whether, you know, it may not be to the, the greater good, but at the same time, that person, you know, I think of someone stealing, you know, if a person steals, we can say that's an evil act. You know, it, it, it hurts the business that they're stealing from. It hurts the owners. It hurts other customers. But at the same time, it does possibly benefit that person in the short term. You know, that person now has something without spending their own money. Maybe they can feed their family. So there's reasons behind it. But I think like what you were saying, there's sometimes that pure evil is when there's no explanation that we can come to other than just the person likes to see that happen. And I think I I don't want to be corny here, but quoting, you know, the dark Knight, where Alfred says, some people just want to watch the world burn is what I think of. I think that's just such a good way to conceptualize pure evil is that person that just, they just want to see things unfold for the sake of seeing things unfold. I think of that example as that quote. And then I think of if anybody watches a series on Netflix, there's the manhunt series, which there's one on the Unabomber, but there's a new one on the Olympic park bombing. And the spoiler alert, the person who is eventually charged and convicted of that, Eric Rudolph, he is someone that they describe as pure evil. And I, I know we're getting off on the idea that he is someone that did something completely atrocious. So we're, we're getting away from the, the everyday actions kind of a piece of it. But at the same time, this pure evil piece is that he did it just for the sake of doing it. Like they couldn't find a reason, you know, it wasn't racially motivated. It wasn't religiously motivated. It wasn't, he was angry at certain kinds of people. It was, he just liked to see people get hurt. And I think that is the perfect example of pure evil. Yeah. And just like you said, I feel like us as human beings, we are always motivated by the why. When anything happens, we always want to understand the why. And I know you mentioned it actually earlier while answering this question much earlier, but you said it's almost like when no one is watching it, it, like evil can almost now be the opposite of integrity. The way I would define integrity is when no one is watching, you're still going to do something good. Uh, the opposite of that is almost like when no one is watching, you still know what you should be doing and what's good, but you purposely do not do that. And it's almost like they just kind of like you mentioned with all your great pop culture references to be able to help connect people to what we're trying to say and drive that point home is that's exactly what it is. You can see what you're obviously supposed to do, the good that when no one is watching, but you purposely go against it because you almost want to cause that chaos. And I'm actually glad that we went down this rabbit hole now because now it's almost like we're facing two different questions. How do we define evil and how do we not define pure evil, but just that 
kind of phrase within itself, pure evil. So this is just my way of almost asking you, does that exist? Does pure evil exist in a way where someone is just born with pure evil, no matter what their environment was, what their influences, they just have this pure evil within them that they just want to see the chaos. They just want to cause harm just to do it kind of thing. Is that something that is... Uh, true something that you believe in or you're just or maybe we're just thinking no that's just something that eventually kind of just happens so i want i just thought of something when you were talking about that is the phrase pure evil is almost like an oxymoron moron in the sense that it's pure we think of pure as good clean uh you know untainted but you put it in the combination with evil and it's like how can something be pure and evil and it's just the idea that the evil is so unfiltered, untainted by anything. It is just evil. There is no other light being shined. And your question of does that, does that exist? Does pure evil exist? And then you went into a second question was, can you just be born pure evil? To me, those are two questions because I think pure evil can exist in our society I think that, and I say that unfortunately to be true, but I think more so with the idea of being born evil, I don't believe that people are born pure evil. I think unfortunately that it is a lot of our influence. I think growing up, you see how important it is, your surroundings, your family, you know, your community, your school the positive role models, the negative role models that unfortunately is almost taught to us. Now we, we do have some tendencies, I think, to engage in certain behaviors that may kind of make evil actions a little easier. So humans have this unfortunate ability or uh, tendency to be impulsive, right? So we act very quickly. You know, we see that thing online that we really love to buy and we buy it. And we don't always go, oh, you know, I shouldn't have done that with only $50 in my bank account, but we still do it. And that impulsivity by itself is okay. You know, that's part of our human condition. But you combine that with other things. You combine that with your parent or a role model teaching you that it's okay just to grab things in the store. Okay, so now you're kind of using that impulsivity tendency that a child has definitely, but even an adult has, and you're twisting it. So I think we have these skills, abilities, knowledge, backgrounds that in themselves are probably pretty neutral, but they can be twisted over time by influences. Yeah, I definitely agree. I also agree that I don't believe anyone could be born pure evil, but it's almost like a victim of circumstance. Like what you mentioned earlier, you might have acts of evil, but you don't let that define you because, you know, that was just a moment in time. It's almost like this pure evil eventually is just they let it define them. They whether it may be something along the lines of they were they don't have the best grasp on reality. They think everything is against them. So they just think, you know what? screw it, I'm just going to get back at everyone because the universe is against me. So their thought isn't necessarily, let me harm people, but hey, why why should I be nice when everyone has been so cruel to me? So I feel like it almost festers and it becomes to define them, whereas other people 
uh, hopefully, not hopefully, I don't, I don't mean to be demeaning in any way, but are aware enough to say, okay, what I did was wrong and I'm going to continue to learn from it. Um, but then you have that other side saying, why does this keep happening to me? I'm just going to keep lashing out almost. And I feel like that's uh, really interesting to talk about because with our definition of evil, it's so fluid or it depends on, you know, who what your definition is. But I feel like what we're slowly coming to is this really cool, ambiguous state where everyone has that def- different definition. But it's so odd because it's such a polarizing word. But all of us have different ways to describe it. It's almost like we're attempting to find that middle ground ourselves right now. And I think that's why it's so important to kind of always think about. So, you know, with all of that being said, Alex, I would have to ask you just in one or two sentences, what is your definition of evil now? I think after our conversation there, I I do want to stick to the idea that it is the absence of good because I think that is easier for people to conceptualize than the presence of, of terrible or bad things happening. And I like the idea of saying that evil is something that changes over time. You know, what we may say is evil in the 1920s may not be the same today. So I think you have to view it always in a bigger perspective than just today just you, just your family, because what you define, like you were saying, it's so fluid. What you define as evil today may be different than what your neighbor defines evil two months ago, a year ago. So I think that fluidity piece is really important to acknowledge. And then just the importance of context. So time was the context I mentioned, but also location. So in the United States, we may say this is an evil action. But in other countries, they may say, no, that's that's permissible or that's not evil, but we don't condone it. So I think that context piece is really important, too. I couldn't have put it together any better, but that's why I have you as the expert here to kind of be able to, uh, you know, weave (laughs) together everything the way that you did. It was beautiful. But I know this is a pretty heavy topic for everyone, but this is definitely something I want everyone to think about as well. Like you mentioned, it's so easy to talk about the you know, what we're good at and things like that. And I'm not even saying focus on your flaws. It's always just have a time of self-reflection. You shouldn't be, you know, kind of letting it fester and hide it away. Just at least being aware of, you know, some evil deeds you've done or just some flaws and things is really nice because that's what kind of this whole pandemic did. I've been more isolated. I've been more, you know, at home trying to, you know, not go out or anything like that. And I've had a lot of time for myself and it's been fantastic to have this, moment of self-reflection and it's just taking me through this crazy journey where I feel like I've matured more in this past year than I ever have really the entire course of my life and so it's really cool to kind of just be able to sit and just really reflect on specific things and I know everything we talked about was pretty heavy so I always like to have a little little palate cleanser for the mind if you will and I always like to ask you know we're, we're both in uh, different stages of our life, even though I draw a lot of parallels between us. Um, but, you know, one thing I always like to ask is, what, what are some bucket list items that you have for your life so far? Uh, you know, in the world of Alex, what are some things that you have? You're like, oh, you know, I would love to do this before I pass away or I would love, you know, this goal or whatever have you. So, yeah, what's on that famous bucket list of yours? So I I love your idea of kind of taking that 
heavy, heavy topic and lightening it up with this, because I think it is important that we are able to transition from one to the other. Um, so I, I think to assist in that as well, not just to talk about my bucket list, but also kind of a comical note, and you've pointed this out that I like to do this in the sense that if we can say that evil is something based on a SpongeBob quote would be every villain is lemons. <laughs> so we'll just leave it there with leaving evil on a funny note there. Um, but for my bucket list, I think one of my biggest hopes is to finish this this program that I'm studying right now, my doctoral program. And to me, that, like you said, like I love to learn. That's kind of like my identity consistently is I see that as like the the crowning achievement, the, the end goal for me, because it's it's, you know, a high degree that I really want to have and be able to use that to not necessarily as a status thing or anything like that, but to kind of give me some credibility or some ability to go out and communicate some things that I'm learning to have conversations like this with students and it really engage them in good conversations like this. So I think, I mean, that also is another thing on my bucket list is to become a, a professor or someone that teaches because I really enjoy these kinds of conversations where, you know, the idea being, you know, I came into this, you saying like, I'm the expert, I'm going to talk to you about this things, but I love learning from the other person too. So I don't like to say that I ever walk into the situation knowing everything. Like I have a lot to learn from the other person. And I think that that's why being a professor would be on my bucket list because I want to learn from other people as well. And I think that's one of the best ways to do it. I think more broadly as a bucket list would be uh, just to travel more. So I kind of realized when I wasn't able to travel last year, how much I do enjoy getting away. And I know for you, you've gone to Myrtle Beach before and you loved it. And that was kind of uh, another shared parallel that we had. Um, so I think for me, just being able to travel again to new places that I haven't been before would be just an awesome uh, thing to have on my bucket list going forward. And I'm really glad you brought that up, mostly because a new bucket list, or I wouldn't even say new bucket list, but one of my bucket list items is definitely going on, uh, you know, traveling or vacationing with you guys. Like I know, um, you know, Tiana knows Emily. Uh, we all know each other is pretty much what I'm trying to say. So I feel like it'd be really fun if we all, you know, when everything dies down, all of us get to, I don't know, whether it's Myrtle Beach or wherever else, I think it'd be a lot of fun if we just spent some time together and just kind of just hang out because as we all become adults, it's, it's bizarre. It's so difficult to, you know, coordinate things with friends and things like that, which is unfortunate, but it's kind of the harsh reality of we have to make these efforts. And that's why I always laugh at the thought of this podcast. I know I was telling you before we started recording I feel bad because there's not a lot of like crazy research or depth pieces I have to do in preparation. It's almost just two great friends just having a conversation. And I tell everyone saying, no, this is my way of forcing my friends to talk to me for about an hour um, because it's so weird. It, it, it's just hard to schedule. And a lot of the times I do almost all my communicating with my friends through text messaging or, you know, IMs or direct messaging, things like that. It's very rare where I get to sit down and just have just a conversation, just talking to them. And it's always just just really, really wonderful and things like that. But 
you know, with all of that being said, I know you mentioned earlier that you have a podcast yourself and I have actually binged quite a bit of it since I found, not since I found out, but since I was made aware of it again uh, yesterday and it's called Neurological, uh, definitely a pun. I'll have it all in our show doc and I'm going to leave a link and things like that. Can you describe a little bit of what your podcast is about and uh, just kind of everything about it? Sure. And from one podcaster to another, this might be, I don't know if you need like a catchphrase for your podcast or not, but I just, when you were just talking about what you were saying, I thought of, you know, you said, oh, it's just conversations between two people. But if you need a catchphrase, I really like this idea of two ordinary people having extraordinary conversations. And I think that just sums up exactly what you're doing. See, and this, I, I get this for free. <laughs> I, I, I could have paid someone for that, but I just knew if I have Alex on here, I, I could kind of get away with certain things. So my evil intentions were actually, I'll just take advantage <laughs> of this time. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna steal some of the great puns that I know he's going to come up with. So don't be surprised if that's going to be a tagline moving forward. And now you have it on recording, so you got it. And uh, you can, <laughs> you can use that going forward. Uh, no credit needed. Um, but for my podcast, Neurological, it is, I think, kind of the same idea with yours in the sense that you're trying to do something a little bit different. And for me, it is, it's about true crime. It's about psychology. It's about combining the two. And I think when I started it, the idea was I didn't want to do, let's just talk about true crime cases. Let's just talk about, you know, the criminal justice system, or let's just talk about psychology because there were a lot of podcasts on either one of those. And I just wanted to do something where people of both interests can kind of come together and learn about both of them in a, in, in one way. Because I think with our conversation today, it really becomes clear that you can't just look at something from one perspective. You need to combine perspectives to really get a better understanding. And I don't think, I don't want to say that my podcast is just this thing that's going to make everyone have a better understanding but it at least gets the conversation started, which I think is what your podcast is also doing. It's getting that conversation going that even if people don't agree with some of the things that you and I said today or some of your other guests say, it's that conversation can start and then it can go somewhere else. And I really like that idea. So yeah, some and someone who has personally listened to a bunch of uh, episodes, sorry to cut you off, but like I said, is uh, Alex does a phenomenal job of taking these uh, concepts or theories or uh, well-researched kind of episodes, but kind of explaining it in a very engaging and fun way. So it doesn't feel like he's reading, you know, a thesis paper or a research paper. He's able to tie everything. Or as everyone has heard this episode, he is a master of puns, master of, you know, bringing up these pop culture references or just references that everyone could kind of tie into everyday life. So it helps you better understand. And so, uh, but I definitely want you to continue. He is that social lubricant that I told you in the beginning, I told you. So I knew when I had this conversation with Alex, he was going to be able to prove it. But um, yeah, like he said, I've heard a couple of episodes already. I think I actually almost binged all of them, like I mentioned, but <laughs> no, it, it, he does a phenomenal job of being able to not just connect you, but do it in an engaging way. So he's almost tricking you to learn. He's like, ha, I'm going to make this fun, but I'm also going to educate you. I like that idea. That's kind of one of my, my ways about learning as I think it needs to be approached creatively. It can't just be, let me talk at you. Let me give you the, the nitty gritty of it. It's let me give you something that you can connect it to so that it's applicable. It's something that you can relate to going forward. And I think that giving those, you know, puns or 
pop culture references or whatever it is, it, it gives someone something easier to access than, oh, this is the concept that Alex talked about. Um, I think that's just a, a better way to think of it. Yeah, absolutely. So if you liked a little bit of what you heard today, uh, I would definitely recommend going over to Alex's podcast, hitting that subscribe or follow through Spotify or any kind of uh, platforms that he definitely has. I'm going to leave in the show docs below. It's definitely a fun listen and uh, I don't want to spoil it. Sorry, Alex, I'm going to, but he even said he might be uh, releasing an episode really shortly. So um, all the shows are top notch. The sound quality is fantastic. So I definitely encourage everyone to go over there, give it a listen, and I know you're going to enjoy what you hear. Uh, but with all that being said, Alex, I always like to ask before we kind of end the whole episode is kind of give you an open floor. Are there any last additional comments you would like to say or anything like that? I just want to give you again, going back to the idea of giving compliments. I just want to give you props for jumping into a hobby uh, or whatever you want to call podcasting for you is something that not everyone's familiar with. They don't know what goes into it. And when you get into it, the most you have to go off of is what you've listened to. So I just want to give you credit and say that, you know, it's awesome. I think you're doing this. I think you're going to get a wide variety of ideas, perspectives, people on here. Um, and the only thing I can say is I, I hope that I can be on again sometime. I mean, what can I say? It's just two ordinary people having extraordinary conversations. That's Alex, the social lubricant. Like I said, please follow his podcast. It's all going to be in the show docs below. And please just sit back and really think about what we talked about today. And I have to ask you guys the question. How would you define evil? Now it's your turn to think about the question, what does it all mean to you? Don't be afraid to really dive deep and ponder the question. Until next time.